The question we've all been asking ourselves as this fad diet kind of picks up speed, should type 1 diabetics eat keto? Today I want to talk to you guys about what keto is, uh, how you can do it appropriately if you are going to do that. If you hear that sound, that's actually a thunderstorm outside. Holy cow. But I want to get into a story about what keto is, how we can do it properly, and also the pros and cons behind if it's even a good idea for you as someone living with type 1 diabetes. Let's get into our theme song. I've spent the last 10 years pushing the limits while identifying trends and patterns in my type 1 diabetes management. Follow along as I learn, apply, and share the fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies that I've learned from diabetes experts around the world. The real question is, how can we live fearlessly with diabetes while maintaining stable blood sugars? This podcast is here to give you the answer. My name is Matt Vandevecht, head coach and co-founder of FTF Warrior, and welcome to Part of My Pancreas. All right, as you might have heard, there's a thunderstorm outside, so my apologies if you hear thunder crackling throughout today's episode, but we're going to go for it anyways. So keto uh, is popular diet. People are using it for weight loss outside of the diabetes space, uh, but inside of the diabetes space, a lot of people are seeing they get more stable blood sugars, and uh, whether that's true or not, we're going to dive into that later in today's episode, but uh, I'm sure you're curious to know what defines a diet as keto, right? Do you just eat more fat and all of a sudden you're on the keto diet? Not necessarily, okay? So within the keto diet, the goal is to enter into a phase called ketosis. And what this is, it's your body's ability to utilize fat for energy in the absence of glucose. And where we get glucose from? Carbohydrates and technically proteins as well. More on that later though. So with the keto diet, most people are seeing that they have a restriction on carbohydrates, heavy restriction, honestly, and the parameters are usually about 20 to 50 carbs per day. And it's going to vary person to person, by the way, because it's actually based on a percentage more so than an actual carbohydrate count, because we're looking at the more you eat, uh, the more carbs you're technically allowed to have. But if you eat very little, you're allowed very little carbs. And the idea behind it is uh, you want to have your body know that fat is the main source for energy. And so we want body to burn fat as fuel instead of burning its preferred source, which is glucose. Hopefully that makes sense. Now, that being said, if you consume too many carbs, you will fall out of ketosis. Okay, and then this is another part of the story I wanted to share. Uh, when I was first coming back from a, a very scary near-death experience, we'll just leave it at that, uh, where my diabetes led me into almost dying in a foreign country, as I shared in a previous episode. Uh, but in that experience, I was nervous to take insulin. And for me, if I didn't eat, I didn't take insulin. So it worked out. And I was like, oh, maybe there's kind of a new strategy to avoid taking insulin. Maybe I just go for the fats and the proteins because carbohydrates I need the most insulin for. So if I just take that out, I don't have to worry about it, right? And I think this is a very similar mindset that a lot of people approach keto diet with, is that either they don't want to take more insulin or they want to see more flatline blood sugars. And part of the pros behind the keto diet is that there is uh, a very steady correlation between keto and more stable blood sugars. But is that a good thing? Is it truly uh, the result that we're after? Or is there something along the way that's kind of hidden? I will get into that. Now, within when I was first diagnosed, we're kind of jumping around here, but when I was first diagnosed, my endo told me there are five things I didn't have to take insulin for. And that's why after I came back from that near-death experience, I was like, I'm gonna go for the fats and the proteins. The five things were water, 
eggs, cheese, meat, and vegetables. Now, unfortunately, four of those five, you do have to take insulin for. <laughs> Especially, you're looking at vegetables. Um, technically, a potato is a vegetable that has a lot of carbs, right? So that blanket statement does not apply. Even things like broccoli and Brussels sprouts and spinach, if you eat enough of it, there are pieces that will convert into glucose and can actually raise blood sugars, though it will take a lot longer because of the fiber content, but more on that in a different episode. Now, meat, eggs, cheese, proteins and fats. That can also lead to two different things happening, one being insulin resistance, one being a delayed rise in blood sugars. Now, why might we see a delayed rise? Well, on the first topic, if you're just eating fats and proteins, the proteins themselves can actually lead to an increase in blood sugar due to a process known as gluconeogenesis, okay? This is a process where proteins will convert into glucose to be utilized for the body as energy. And we're diving deep into the sciencey portions of this. If you have not caught on already, be sure to take notes, pause, rewind, do whatever you gotta do. But the idea behind it is fats and proteins can also lead to increase in blood sugars and a need for insulin outside of carbohydrates, which is mind-blowing for most of us, right? We've been taught just insulin to carb ratio. Every time I eat carbs, I take insulin and that's it, right? Not entirely true. So within the keto diet, the idea is not only to limit and restrict carbohydrates, but also to limit proteins because the proteins can lead to a glucose response uh, or glucose production, my bad, uh, in the absence of enough energy, right? So if you have too much proteins, then you got the, the glucose coming from proteins. If you have too many carbs, you fall out of ketosis. So it's a very intricate balance. And I'll tell you, this is actually the one diet that I'll be covering that I do not have specific experience with myself. Reason being is that even though I tried to go higher fat, higher protein, and lower carb, I never quite, wow, I just saw a lightning bolt right outside our window. <laughs> that was insane. Uh, even though I increased fat and proteins and decreased carbs, I never actually followed the keto diet, which is to push yourself into ketosis where your body is burning that fat as a fuel source. Does that make sense? So instead of going towards ketosis, I would, con I would consider myself as more of a low carb person at that point in my life. And of course now I am not low carb, it's quite different. Uh, maybe one of these episodes will get into my specific diet and what I follow. But in ketosis, you have to balance the three macronutrients, the carbs, the fats, the proteins, in a very delicate balance in order to maintain ketosis. And if you do fall out, you gotta reset, everything kind of shifts. Um, and that, that can be rough on your body if you're going back and forth between in ketosis and out of ketosis. Uh, so if you are going to do keto, know that just increasing your fats does not make you keto. Okay, I wanna make that one very clear. A lot of people think, oh, I just, in fact, I had a friend approach me once and said, oh, I'm keto now. And I was like, cool, so what does that mean? Right, like I had this thought, like maybe he doesn't know. He's like, oh, I just eat cheeseburgers like three times a day, it's amazing. I just get a, a bunch of meat and a bunch of cheese and I'm keto. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, you're not, right? He was still eating the buns and he was still eating the fries. He thought because he was having more protein and more fats that he was now keto. Not true, you have to nearly remove carbohydrates and limit your proteins in order to get into ketosis and to make sure you are in ketosis as somebody on a keto diet, you also have to measure that. That's right, it's kind of like a, a glucometer, how we test our blood sugars, right? You have to test to see if you are truly in ketosis and if you are maintaining that ketosis state. Now, to give you a quick piece of history as far as where the keto diet originated, 
it was not for fat loss initially. Okay, I know that the, the current fads last couple of years have gotten very popular in the fat loss space. This is largely due to the fact that it can lead to some significant weight loss results in a very short period of time. Most people feel like they've got a new superpower because they can drop five pounds, 10 pounds like that. So that's why it got popular again, but it was originally created and, uh, and popularized among the crowd that has epilepsy. So those who live with epilepsy, the keto diet, uh, for some reason has been able to help that crowd with their symptoms. And the science doesn't fully understand why that's happening. As, as far as I know, if you know, please drop it in the comments. But uh, from the research that I've conducted, I, I have not found an exact reason as to why the keto diet has helped those with epilepsy, but that's what it was originally for. That's where it got its, its start, if you will. Uh, but gaining popularity in the weight loss crowds in the type one diabetes space, of course, there are those of us who are looking to lose weight and those who jumped on it for the weight loss fad uh, found out that one of the pros actually that I'll, I'll list here is that it can lead to a reduction of insulin and more stable blood sugars. Now you might be hearing those and thinking like, that's great, that's good enough, let's go. Turn the episode off, I'm going keto. <laughs> well, first of all, uh, that's not the end of the episode, that is not the end of this trail because there are reasons that lead into that that may be a little bit misleading. I wanna get to those later. Uh, but more importantly, I wanna talk about both sides of the equation, the pros and the cons. All right, so three pros that I wanna list out first. First one is going to be more stable blood sugars. Most people are on the blood sugar roller coaster, they don't know what they're doing, and so they think this is a Band-Aid that I want to put on and leave on as long as possible, because if this diet keeps my blood sugar stable, that allows me to focus my attention and my efforts elsewhere and not so much on diabetes. And they think if I have to restrict myself as far as my diet goes and not experience the great foods of the world, but that gives me stable blood sugars, it's worth it. So a lot of people jumped on that train for the stable blood sugars. And I will say, from what I've observed, those of my clients and those in my audience, uh, the keto diet has been able to hold that up. You know, stable blood sugars, more flatline blood sugars, people are seeing uh, increased stability. It is quite incredible when you do remove the, the variable of carbohydrates and proteins almost entirely that the fat content and the absence of the other macronutrients, or at least in the restriction of them, can lead to very stable blood sugars. For some people, that's worth it. Now, number two I wanna get into is decrease of total insulin being taken. Now, this one is interesting because it's got more than one side to this equation. The first one is, I look at my total daily units of insulin when I'm eating carbohydrates, and it's a lot. And then I remove the carbohydrates, and now it's a little. Huh, so I went on keto, and I'm taking less insulin. And there's this demonization of insulin, honestly, that's been going around recently, where people think that insulin is bad to take. And I gotta squash that right now. Insulin is not bad for you, uh, otherwise everybody would be dying because everybody produces their own insulin naturally, right? Like, it's just, it's just a similar conversation, similar, not the same, to uh, insulin causing weight gain. I'm like, okay, how come everyone in the world isn't overweight? We all have insulin, whether it's manually like we do, or if they produce it naturally. Now there's of course some correlations and different studies we can dive into on that topic. We'll do another episode on that later. But for now, understand that uh, within the insulin amounts that you are taking, reducing your carbohydrates does not mean that you're taking less insulin because it's healthy. You're taking less insulin because you're not eating carbohydrates, which have the most direct correlation with the blood sugar rise out of the three macronutrients, right? So let's get that straight. Uh, you are taking less insulin because you remove carbs, 
Yes, some people prefer that, right? Lower variability. Uh, if you remove some of the variables in the equation of the diabetes life, it makes it easier. And this leads into my third pro, it's easy, right? What do you have to do in order to keep your blood sugar stable? Oh, I just follow this one rule, I'm keto, <laughs> right? Uh, and it can make life a lot more simple. Uh, now, we'll get into the health variations and kind of what to look out for if you are looking into keto later on, but uh, that third pro, yes, if you know that you all you have to do to follow, uh, the only rules you have to follow in order to see more stable blood sugars is that you eat very few carbohydrates and you, you know, limit your proteins and then make sure that you're in ketosis every day. Yeah, it's pretty simple, right? You're not counting different carbs at every meal. You're not trying to figure out um, how much insulin do I take for X amount of carbs. You just think, okay, if I have less than X amount of carbs per meal, I'm good. So really you, you have very little requirements of you to count carbs. You don't have to be a master carb counter if that makes sense. So there's three pros right there, but I do wanna get into the cons as well. So on the other side of the first pro, which was stable blood sugars, other side of that is, is it worth it if you can have stable blood sugars if you only knew how to control blood sugars with carbohydrates, with proteins? Now, this one's kind of personal preference, right? I will let you know, uh, yes, you can have perfectly stable blood sugars with carbohydrates, with proteins, with fats, you just need to know the proper strategies. This is the kind of stuff that I teach my clients. I'm like, hey, you want a flexible life with more variety in the food choices you have available to you with stable blood sugars, right? Right, cool. You gotta do X, Y, Z, and it's all gonna work out. So they understand that I have to, or they have to learn the right strategies in order to match up with the types of foods that they love. If you're gonna have a burger and fries, it's a very different strategy than if you wanna eat fruit smoothies all day, right? So we line up the right strategies based on the type of meal. If you don't like putting in the work, yes, technically keto is easier, but things that are easy are not always the best for us, right? So that's one of the cons is that even though it is easier and can lead to more stable blood sugars, it's hyper restrictive and you do lose out on the variety of the types of foods you're eating, which I would also say leads into another semi-con, right? Where there is no variety in the types of macronutrients that you're consuming, a very consistent macronutrient profile. And as a result, you might see some malnutrition or micronutrient deficiencies. So micronutrients, vitamins and minerals, if you're restricting the amount of carbohydrates that you consume, you're likely going to be restricting uh, fruits almost entirely. Fruits are typically higher carb. Uh, and then you're also going to be restricting your vegetable intake, right? So vegetables tend to be lower carb, but they still do have carbs. So you're likely not going to be consuming enough uh, variety within the vegetables and you might not even consume any fruits at all. And if you do, it's likely going to be berries and berries alone. You're for sure not going for pineapple or banana or mango or any of the good stuff, really. So keeping an eye out for that con, uh, the deficiencies in your vitamins and minerals can lead to some upsetting situations. Yes, technically you can supplement that with a multivitamin, vitamin D, vitamin A, all these different pills you can take, but I would argue that natural uh, intake of these types of vitamins and minerals is going to be better for you, okay? If you can consume uh, the vitamins you are deficient in versus taking a pill, the natural way to go, typically better. On that note, another con that I wanna add in here, but it's gonna be person to person, uh, you know, individualized. Uh, the cholesterol levels and blood pressure responses that we see with people on keto 
can be unfavorable. Not always. You know, I've definitely seen people on both sides of this equation. Some people see an increase in HDL, which is healthy. Uh, what we don't want to see is an increase in LDL or VLDL, which is, uh, it leads to some issues down the road. It can lead to heart issues. We look at the rest of the body, you know, high blood pressure can lead to organ functionality decreasing. Overall, keep an eye on those different markers as well. Get your blood work done if you are on keto or if you're considering it. We want to take care of our whole body not just the blood sugars, which is why I talk about keto being kind of a band-aid, right? It shows up on your blood sugar graph as fantastic, but when we take a step back and look at, I can't eat fruits and vegetables or, you know, only a couple vegetables. Uh, my cholesterol is kind of, kind of wacky. My, you know, blood data is coming back. My blood tests are not as fantastic as they used to be. If that's happening, we might want to second guess and look at other options, okay? Keep an eye on your overall health. Now, earlier in this episode, I talked about taking less insulin and how a lot of people think that this is an amazing biomarker about, you know, not being as at risk for different pieces of the diabetes puzzle and uh, just imagining that it's better for them overall, right? Less insulin, hooray! But there's some pieces underneath that I want you to be aware of. It's not just a topical equation looking at what is leading to taking less insulin. So first of all, yes, you're taking less insulin because you're taking in less carbohydrates, meaning you don't have as much bolus insulin or mealtime insulin going into your body, right? Because fat does not require as much insulin as carbohydrates. That point is very clear. However, is it that you are taking less insulin and that's it? Or is there a second piece to the puzzle like increasing insulin resistance and decreasing your glucose tolerance? So let's talk about that for a second. Uh, the role that fat plays in the human body, and we're gonna get into this a lot more in depth in future episodes, but the role that fat plays in the human body is that it can lead to insulin resistance and quite severely so. Uh, experiments that I ran on myself over the years as I shifted from that near keto diet, right? Like I was never full keto, but when I was almost keto, and then I reintroduced carbohydrates because I was like, you know what, let's attack this. <laughs> let's figure out blood sugars. And I decided to go experiment with a bunch of different types of diets and, and I documented everything. But when I did that and I reintroduced carbohydrates, I noticed one thing that was very clear. I spiked after my meals like there was no tomorrow. I'd go from nice and steady at, you know, 100 blood sugar all the way up to 350. Like, all I had was a bowl of oatmeal. What the heck, right? And what I discovered after years of research is that fat can lead to insulin resistance, which decreases glucose tolerance. What that means is that it makes it more difficult for the insulin to transport the glucose into your cells, which means that your blood sugar takes a lot longer to enter the cells, which means you see a faster spike in blood sugars after meals that include carbohydrates, which is your decreased glucose tolerance. So to give you kind of an idea of that, after you have a very large fat meal, or if you've been eating high fat for a long period of time, if you've been keto, or if you've been lower carb, and then you go and have a fruit smoothie, let's say, you're more likely to spike and see a much higher blood sugar that is stubborn and gets stuck up there than you would be if you were low fat and already eating carbohydrates. So the glucose tolerance test is a very great tell to see, you know, kind of where you're at your insulin sensitivity um, versus insulin resistance, of course. And so understanding that taking less insulin is only the surface of what we're doing with our bodies. Uh, that the fat content, as you increase it and go into a ketosis state, you're more likely uh, developing insulin resistance, making it more difficult for your body to get the glucose out of your bloodstream and into your tissue, right? 
which leads into uh, whenever you do choose to have a cheat meal, <laughs> a much more difficult blood sugar to handle with the carbohydrates. And so, you know, looking at the insulin sensitivity factor or correction factor, how much does one unit of insulin bring your blood sugars down if you happen to go to 200 or 300 uh, and higher? It can give us a, a great idea of where you're at with your overall health as someone living with diabetes. And there are many different methods out there these days, and one of them for a dietary protocol is to reduce your fat. It's actually the opposite of keto. And I'll be covering that one probably next week, maybe in two weeks. Uh, but the idea of what happens when we play with the fat content in our meals can actually alter the amount of insulin that we require, which is fascinating. So as we adjust our insulin needs, it's not just the different types of diets and which one works best. What it really is, is you manipulating your blood sugars without even knowing it. And so going into keto, you have to accept, I might not ever have carbohydrates again if I want to be in ketosis and follow the rules. Now, if you're okay with eating high fat foods and restricting carbs and limiting proteins for the rest of your life, more power to you. You know, I'm not going to be one to tell you you can't do it. However, with the cons that I've stacked up, especially those that look at your overall health as an individual, not just as someone living with diabetes, but also somebody who wants to get the most out of life, to live a long life, have a healthy body, I would recommend against eating keto. It is my personal preference. It's my opinion, right? Uh, you're welcome to make whatever choices that you make, but I would love to hear your questions in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, those of you who are on keto, if this rang true, if you identify that these are things that you've experienced, or if you've experienced something different, because we are all unique individuals. I've certainly seen people on keto, even our clients that chose to live the keto life. They love it, they love the dietary protocols, and they actually feel better. Cool. Okay, as long as you're checking your blood tests and you're getting the data back and it looks good, it's up to you, right? You more power to you. But if you're someone who's looking for what else is out there, I know we're covering a lot of different diets right now within type 1 diabetes and which one is best. And of course, I know some of you are asking, which one does Matt follow? <laughs> uh, if you want more information on how you can be flexible and have a variety of food and actually enjoy the food that you're eating and stay in range. We talked about how keto leads to stable blood sugars. You can actually have stable post-meal blood sugars with any type of food. And we found a secret formula that enables you to do that. Okay, it's not as difficult as you might think. I'm sure just like myself, you've probably seen some post-meal spikes up to the 350s, maybe 200s, I don't know, maybe you've never had any of those crazy experiences. But if you've ever thought to yourself, is there a different way for me to control my blood sugars and eat food that I love? You know, enjoy life and be healthy? Then I definitely should recommend that you go check out a video that I made over at diabetesinaction.com. In that video, I talk about something that I mentioned earlier in this episode called your personalized macronutrient profile. This is the way that you can eat what you want, when you want, and still see stable blood sugars. This is one of the core concepts of our programs that we teach, and I want you to have that info just so you know what else is out there, so that you can start expanding your diet, you know, filling out your micronutrient profiles, your vitamins and minerals, but also enjoying life again. So if you're looking for a more flexible way to eat what you love and still see stable blood sugars, go to diabetesinaction.com right now. Go sign up for that free training. Watch it. Take notes. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And uh, be sure to subscribe if you have not already. Uh, hopefully you guys liked this episode. Drop your thoughts down below. I love reading your comments. And keep up the fight.